Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Competitive Enablement Show on the Compete Network powered by Clue, podcast for pro marketers and compete pros looking to give their companies a competitive advantage. I'm your host, Adam McQueen, and today I was joined by the VP of Market Intelligence at Sophos, Max Weinstein, and we talked all things enabling sellers as we want to do on the show. Max shares his three best tactical tips for supporting sellers, why he builds a really strong relationship with product marketing in his company, and the balance between giving too much context versus not enough when you're working with sales. Uh, Max has a really interesting perspective working at a company where there's sellers across multiple geos selling multiple product lines in a cybersecurity space that's incredibly competitive landscape. So a ton of great stuff in the conversation today. Before we get in, housekeeping, if you haven't already, you got to sign up for Compete Week. It's coming in November 8th and 9th, two days, the best in Compete, go-to-market leaders, revenue leaders, sharing tactical tips, advice, framework, strategies, you name it, everything you need to get an advantage over the competition. This is our third installment. I'm stoked for the speaker list. You can check them out in the show notes below. Clue.com slash Compete Week, Google Compete Week, just say it out loud and I'll show up and give you the link. We'll see you there. With that all said, let's get into my conversation with Max. So you were chatting with a few folks on our team and we were kind of talking offline about what, what do we want to talk about, Max? And you mentioned this piece around supporting your sales organization. And we've talked about this many times on the podcast, but I always like to get folks' takes on this. And as always with the podcast, we like to open with three tactical tips. So do you have three tips for folks in Compete that they should know or be practicing to enable and support sales within their organization? Yeah, sure. I mean, look, you know, I, I think the first one is understand your sales organization. Um, not all organizations are the same. Not all sales orgs are the same. And the better you understand your organization, what their goals are, how they're compensated, how they're structured and organized, all of that, it's, it's going to better position you to help them be successful. Um, we, we have a tendency, I think, sometimes in CI to focus really narrowly on the products or the competitors or the market um, and forget that ultimately what we're trying to do is help our sales organizations succeed and selling solutions to customers. And so the better you can understand what they're going through, the better you're going to be able to do that. Um, a, a second one would be to, and it kind of relates to that, is to provide context. Uh, sales reps will often ask you, give me the, give me the list, give me the bullet points, right? I, I just want to know what do I need to know to win or to differentiate? Um, but the reality is, especially with newer sales reps or people who are new to the organization, um, but even some of the experienced ones, there's a lot of context that goes around why those differentiators matter and in what way they matter and how customers are going to understand them. So if you can help them understand the the broader picture of the market that they're selling into or the um, how buyers do their jobs and why you know, it's going to matter to them that your product is 12% faster or whatever. That's going to be really valuable. 
Uh, and then the third one, and I know this sounds a little contradictory to the previous point, but um, is this idea of like, do less, not more sometimes. And, and this is a lesson I've been learning over the past several years doing this. And I think we still, uh, as a team, don't always do it as well as we could, which is um, there's always this tendency to be like, oh, you want to know the differentiators against competitor X and and give a list of you know, 27 things, each one of them a paragraph long, explaining all the details, right? And there may be cases where that kind of detail is useful, but most of the time, those sales reps just want like, what is the small number of things that I can really absorb and internalize so that I can then go out to a customer and, you know, and, and, and explain why my product is better than the competitor's? That's interesting. The, the first point you make there about understanding the context of your selling structure, your selling situation. Could you share a little bit maybe about how that's dictated your time as software? How has that dictated what you're doing from a compete side to support them? Like you, you mentioned some of these different pieces in play and how you should operate as com in compete to work with them. Like what, what does that look like? What does that mean specifically? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, we have, we have, um, I guess they're never unique challenges, but certainly different than some organizations, right? We're, we're uh, an organization with a sales team, uh, including all the supporting roles of somewhere around a thousand people globally distributed. Um, and they are supporting a channel, a uh, set of channel partners, tens of thousands wide. And, uh, and that's, that scale creates a challenge, right? Because, you know, you can't be involved in every deal. Um, we have over 600,000 customers, I believe, at this point. So we're not going to be involved in every uh, every opportunity, every deal. Um, you're not going to be able to reach every sales rep one-on-one, -on -one, answer every question personally. Um, so you have to figure out how to do things at scale. Um, and that's uh, that. that's one unique piece of it. Another unique piece is that except for a small number of overlay teams, all of those people in that organization are responsible for selling our entire product and services portfolio. And we're a company that covers cybersecurity from endpoint to network, to email, to cloud, security operations, managed services. Um, and you know, cybersecurity is a fairly technical uh, field. It's a very dynamic uh, market constantly seeing new product areas, new acronyms like TASB and SASE and EDRX, DRMDR, all these, all these, uh, you know, multiple letter things and, um, and, and acquisitions and consolidations and all this stuff. So it's, um, you know, we, we have a competitive wiki, uh, where we track, uh, you know, a bunch of our competitors. I think we have over 150 competitors on there that we are uh, that we are tracking, and almost every week we're getting questions about competitors that aren't in that list at this point. <laughs> um, so again, you know, you asked how does that inform what we do and how we do it, right? So um, one is we have to emphasize self serve content like a wiki and battle card content, and um, and making that stuff very available. Um, even to some extent to our channel partners directly, because we're not going to touch every one of those partners individually. And so, 
Um, so the battle cards, not the entire wiki, but the battle cards, for example, for our more key competitors are right out there on our por partner portal for the partners to download directly um, rather than being kind of gated uh, behind the sales organization. But with the sales reps, um, you know, some of it is also how do we train them to go use that content <laughs> um, and to know the content is there. So we have a, a new higher orientation for the sales org in particular, where we go through a little bit of here's what CI looks like at Sophos. This is what CI means. Here's what we do. Here's where you can find resources. This is how you can use the resources um, and actually helping them uh, become aware of that. But then we also have added kind of uh, an additional piece to it, which is uh, a competitive hotline. Um, so this is an email mailing list um, that people can can email uh, with their questions. And we always sort of train them, you know, look, go look at the content first before you email us. Not everybody does it, but we, we get pretty good compliance with that. And uh, but we say, look, you know, you have a question about a competitor that isn't on the list, a technology that isn't listed, a um, you have a, a set of uh, SKUs, or a quote from a, a competitor, right? And you're going, I don't know which of our products best align with these with this quote. You can email our competitive hotline. Um, and we've done something a little different with it, which is that email list doesn't just go to our team. It goes to everyone on our team, goes to all of our product managers, all of our product marketing managers, all of the sales leaders and SE leaders in the organization, uh, and to our SMT. Um, our, and we know our CEO reads them pretty carefully. Occasionally we get notes back <laughs> uh, from him. Uh, but that does a number of things. One is it gives us support. Um, it allows us to actually, you know, we respond to the vast majority of these directly. But we will also get support from an SE who recently left one of the competitors and, and may have some insight to share. Uh, we'll get support from a PM who says, oh, you know, that feature that, you know, they say they have, we don't have, that's on our roadmap and is going to be out in six months. Um, so we, we actually are able to distribute the load a little bit um, and, and get some deeper insight than would be possible just if the CI team were the only ones sort of seeing the requests and answering. Um, it also ends up being a useful tool. So, you know, our sales directors will tell us, hey, we take the ones, the responses that we see that we think are most useful and we forward them to our sales team. You know, we're competing with competitor, blah, blah, blah. We're going to, you know, send this response we thought was great off to our sales org. So the next time they have it, they, they're facing that competitor. They have a reference. It's, that's cool that you make building sort of a culture by having mechanism, mechanisms in place, but also getting people kind of organically involved in the process. I, I want, there's something you mentioned earlier that, that kind of perked my ears that your sales force in the cybersecurity space right now are typically s selling a full suite, like your, your, the full portfolio. And in the cybersecurity space, like you mentioned, it's, incredibly competitive massive landscape i'm i'm sure so many competitors probably have like only slight overlap with maybe one of your product lines exactly. or one from your portfolio what's your strategy then from a compete team where you're enabling sellers to for, for lack of a better word sell an all-in-one suite 
but competitors they'll face might be the like for like, but they also might be sort of a single solution to a bigger portfolio you're selling off. Yeah, you know, it's it's an ongoing challenge, and it's not that we're necessarily selling the suite. We we sell all our solutions as kind of a la carte. Uh, but of course, one of our goals uh, as an organization, both for the customer's benefit and for ours as a business, is to uh, sell customers more of our solutions and have them kind of consolidate around our our platform. And it's tricky, right? Because you know, sales is always going to say, "Look, we want to sell what the customer is asking us for," and then and then cross sell or upsell opportunistically. Um, you know, I think our uh, our senior leadership team and our our product organization would say, "We want you to sell the portfolio, right? We want we want you to sell as much as you possibly can anytime, uh, anywhere." Um, but uh, so there's always a little bit of tension there uh, from a from a CI enablement standpoint. I think the the key is to get a balance. I, when we when I started out, I think we tended to lean a little too much in the side of saying the reason you should choose our firewall is because you can also buy our endpoint and they'll work together. Um, and that worked some of the time, uh, but also we had a lot of customers saying, look, I don't want your endpoint. I just want your firewall. And if you can't tell me your firewall's better on its own merits, then, you know, uh, then why should I buy it? Uh, and so, you know, we needed to pivot a little bit in the other direction, but you don't want to go too far that way either, because if the only thing you ever talk about is the reason you should choose our firewall is because our firewall has this feature and that feature, and you never talk about the broader ecosystem and the platform, then you're not supporting your sales reps in getting that broader ecosystem play. So I think it's just a matter of balance and, and making sure to weave both of those sets of things into your messaging. And on that note of of balance, it seems like, and and you mentioned in here, like building self serve content, but also getting other stakeholders involved. What, where do you see sort of sales training, and then maybe some of the sales name, but maybe self serve functionality overlapping? Like, and, and where does compete fit in as well on a, in a massive organization like Salesforce? Yeah, great question. So first of all, you know, I always think of sales training is just being a subset of sales enablement. Um, I, I come from a kind of education background. And so to me, when you're educating, education means you're helping the person learn what they need to learn and be successful and what they're trying to be successful in, right? Which in this case is, is selling. And, uh, and, and so to me, enablement is everything that goes into that. And so that's, it's battle cards and content. It's it's uh, the hotline. It's training. It's individual conversations. It's meetings with sales teams. Whatever it takes to to help people learn what they need to learn. Uh, as far as um, you know, how competitive specifically ties into that, right? Like, you know, I think there's there's two ways. Um, there's the competitive specific set of enablement. Um, and again, that's that's your battle cards. It's the conversations that I'm where I'm meeting with a sales team to talk to them and answer their questions, or um, or someone's sending a question to the hotline. But it also becomes part of working with product marketing on the messaging. Um, it, it it becomes part of you know when when a new product is being launched or a new feature comes out helping to ensure that part of the messaging is, and here's how this is differentiated. 
and here's how some of our competitors might be doing it, especially the, the key ones that we're running into a lot in that particular segment. So yeah, it's definitely a, a mix of both of those. And that being able to clearly articulate why you're different. I mean, this is like a core, the core of what you do in Compete and it is core to the selling motion. Like that's how a seller often wins or loses a deal. I'm curious as well as you're working with product marketing, product and sales to kind of craft, your, to infuse your competitive point of view into these motions. How are you partnering? How do you work with specifically like sales leadership, sales managers to ensure that that's working within the deals that are happening today? Yeah, good question. So um, so it depends in, in part, of course, on, on what kind of deals we're talking about. As I said, we've got this massive organization, massive customer base. Um, you know, we can't work with sales reps on each individual deal. Um, but of course we do have some larger, more strategic opportunities. And in those cases, it could be, Hey, call us in, let us get us on the phone with the, with the customer or the prospect. Um, let, a, let us talk with them or let us meet with your sales team ahead of time to strategize how you're going to, how you're going to approach this and so on. But a lot of the time you know, I think again, it, it comes down to infusing the messaging into the broader product message. So, um, we're kind of lucky at Sophos, uh, my org actually sits within the greater product organization. Um, so I, re I report to our SVP of product and that means product marketing and the product management leaders are peers of mine and uh, we're interacting on a regular basis. And that gives us the opportunity to really um, talk these things through as, you know, I, it means I, I or my team end up in a position to review their messaging um, and to provide input on, hey, how can we be playing up our differentiators, avoiding the landmines, <laughs> right? All those kinds of things. And, uh, and I think that that helps a lot. Um, beyond that, it's, it, comes, it all comes back to sales enablement, right? It's you want to get those salespeople to the point where they're ready to, to do what they need to do most of the time based on what they've learned up to this point, And they know where to go when they need something in the moment, whether that's go look at a battle card or email the hotline or, you know, send me a team's message um, because I'm literally on the phone with somebody right now and I just need you to uh, give me a little bit of uh, information. You mentioned that you work within sort of the product function, like the compete team sits. Obviously, compete is an uh, across the departmental. It's, it's touching a lot of different departments, but you, you're working with product or in product specifically. I'm curious, kind of during your time so far running compete, if you had a magic wand, what would be the mechanisms, structures that you, you'd put in place to have a perfect collaboration between product and compete? Yeah, it's a it's another great question. I look, I mean, you know, uh, while I, I certainly can't say it's perfect, I think we've been lucky enough to ever have and build over time a very strong relationship uh, with our product, uh, product leaders and therefore um, get a little closer to that nirvana than, than we were when I, when I started, um, I, you know, look, if I could wave a magic wand, it would be great if, uh, you know, if, if PMs would come to us consistently earlier in the process, come to us, 
you know, weeks in advance instead of days in advance when they needed a competitive comparison uh, together or a competitive table um, or something like that. Um, but, you know, I, I think some of the some of the real keys there are that one sitting within the organization helps a lot. But um, I think it we, we very gradually built those connections um, and we did that a, a few different ways. Like one of them was we, you know, early on it was like, okay, let's just set up a monthly check-in with each of the product leaders. And so it was me and my, um, uh, senior manager of competitive research who reports to me and the head of each of our business unit product teams. And we just, oh, and the product marketing manager who supported that that business unit as well. And I was just get on the call once a month. What's going on? What's on your roadmap? What are you guys thinking about, concerned about? Um, you know, help me uh, help us understand what you're worried about. What can we be doing to support you? Um, and that went a long way. Um, another thing we we had to do um, that we found has, has been incredibly valuable is we actually created a, um, like a form for product teams to request research from us because we had this problem where you know we'd get a team's message an email message whatever from a pm saying hey can you do a comparison in this product area with these competitors or something like that and often the request was missing a lot of key pieces of information when does it need to be done by who's the audience like you know is this for you to use for deciding what to do next or is this something you're planning to use in sales enablement or is it something you're planning to bring to the board <laughs> like you know we, we we need to know like what level we need to get to um what are the key dimensions you're interested in like which competitors which what kind of of analysis are you looking for what format do you want when you say you want a comparison do you want a powerpoint slide a detailed excel spreadsheet a you know, a, a 10 page report, like what are you looking for? Um, and, uh, and by having that form that actually asks you all these questions with some drop down lists in some cases, and just a little more structure, um, we started getting much more useful requests that allowed us to serve them more effectively and more quickly because we didn't have to sort of do this back and forth on figuring out what the request was. Um, and ultimately I think, uh, help build trust in both directions, you know, helped us better understand the product org and trust them more and then help them trust us that we were going to be able to get them what they needed. I, I mean, it, it makes sense building sort of it's, it's context setting as well for the request side of yep. things. If you open a can of worms in, in some aspects, it's good that people are requesting stuff in relation to composers. It Absolutely. means that your job, your team is needed. But it also can become a bit of a wild west. Like you need to, one, make sure there's an appetite for this and people understand the importance of what the compete team can do and provide. But then also you need to no. start, I don't want to say honing in because that feels like you're, you're hurting sheep a little bit. But set guardrails to get, to help me help you, really. That's kind of the core of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you, you said something interesting in there too, which is, help them understand what the compete team can do. Right. And, and actually having a form with, with some drop downs and stuff actually does some of that, right. Because it allows them to see, oh, they could do a more detailed report. If we wanted, they could do 
something for sales enablement, right? Maybe they were thinking in terms of background research, but oh, they could help us with the with the messaging side also. Um, and and so you know, definitely, it's it's been a, a a gradual learning process. And the more time we've spent together, the more uh, the closer we've become organizationally. Um, all of that has helped us build that relationship where I think there is a lot of trust and a lot of uh, respect in both directions, and we get to be more involved in in the processes. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time today, Max. This was awesome. We covered quite a bit. We covered quite a bit, and I feel like we can dig in even more at a later date as well. So for listeners, if you have specific questions on some of the stuff that Max touched on, uh, where could they? Where can they reach out to you, Max? Let them ask these questions for you. Let them let you know how good you're on the pod too. Uh, yeah, sure. They can they can find me on uh, they can find me on Twitter. Um, they can find me on uh, on Mastodon um, uh, at Maxim Weinstein uh, at mstdn dot social <laughs> and uh, and at Maxim Weinstein on Twitter slash X and uh, you know, ha- and of course on LinkedIn as well. So ha- happy to chat with folks and and get their input and help answer any questions I can. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time today and we'll catch everyone next week. The way the market looks today is not how it was yesterday. And spoiler alert, it'll be different tomorrow too. Hi, I'm Devin O'Rourke, founder and managing partner at Fluvio and the host of the Embracing Erosion podcast. On my show, we talk to product marketers, founders, investors, and go-to-market leaders to shine a light on what it takes to tackle difficult go-to-market challenges. How do you make decisions with speed and effectiveness? What makes for a great leader? And what are the most common go-to-market mistakes and how can you avoid them? Embracing erosion means embracing change. And you'll hear from some of the best in the business who know firsthand why embracing erosion is key to success. Join me, Devin O'Rourke, on the Embracing Erosion podcast, powered by the Compete Network.